Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. You're with the double L team, Lyle and Lawson. Lawson, how are you this morning? I, I'm feeling a little bit underdressed. You are? Lyle, I, c- compared to you... I've come it's in, I'm wearing like a t-shirt, black t-shirt, Spongebob on it, and some pants and vans, and you're, you're, sort of, you're wearing a full you, suit. You, you, you rolled out of bed and just came to came to work. No, uh, but like, you can on radio, right? I'm underdressed compared to you, Lyle. Like, that's the, <laughs> that's the point. Like, like well, because there's no such thing as underdressing for radio, unless, you know, we went into the office not wearing anything. But we wear clothes because we're decent people. But, Lyle, like, you're wearing a full suit. Yes. In the radio. Yes. No one's watching. So? Well, why? Well, why not? I um, mean, it, 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 I look nice today. You do? Yeah. You do look nice, but I'm just a I'm bit, just, I'm just a bit perplexed. Why, why would, why would I not wear a suit to work? It's, you know, it's, because you never have ever, like, like I'm ne- <laughs> like that. That's okay. Okay, so like, why wouldn't you not wear a suit to work? Okay, well, yeah, good logic. This might be but the, uh, just you never ever have <laughs> the new dress code for radio. Really? Yeah, I think so. I think I'm going to enforce it. You're going to have to wear a suit from now on. Are you serious? Oh, no. Is, I'm, I'm going to quit. <laughs> I took this job because I didn't have to dress no, up. No, I want to just uh massive shout out and special congratulations to Stephen and Jacqueline that are getting married today and I'm doing the marry, the wedding. Amazing. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Lawson, why don't you bring us the first clue for our quiz? Who am I? Second Second Timothy tells that I was opposed by Yanis and Yambres. Man, that was a that was a struggle. We got through it in the end. Second Timothy tells that I was opposed by uh, Yanis and Yambres. So zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call if you know the answer. And if you do, you need to call or text that number and say, "May I enter the quiz?" If you get it correct, and you will go into the draw to win our two volume set, "Growing in Jesus" by Mark and Ernestine Finley, becoming more like Jesus by studying His life. These are fantastic books going through the things that Jesus did, the way that Jesus acted, who he was, and how we can be more like him. So 0491 is the number to call. Okay, fantastic stuff uh, as we launch in today. We need to have some positively different news. There have been some fairly negative news that has Correct. broken over the uh, yesterday and today. So let's have some positively different news. So what do you got there that will put a smile I'm going to talk about sailing, Lyle. Yes! It's like Lyle's favourite topic. Positive right there. Yeah, because an Australian sailor, Lisa Blair, has broken uh, the world record for Antarctic circ- circumnavigation. Oh, cool. So basically she started in Sydney sailed from Sydney around Antarctica and then back up to Albany in Western Australia. So, she hasn't gone all the way around then? Well, like, yeah, uh, I think Albany she has. She's going to go all the way around. She did. Well, she... maybe she went all the way around and then looped back to Albany. That's right. So the lines have to cross there somewhere. Yeah. Well, well that's this is a circumnavigation of the world. Essentially, yes. yeah. Because, like, well, there was a record for her to beat. 
Okay. And she ended up beating it by 10 days. That's decent. Yeah. So the, the original, the previous record that was set back in 2008 was 102 days, 56 minutes and 50 seconds. And she knocked 10 days off of that. So she got it done in 92 days, 18 hours and 21 minutes. Now, this was her second attempt at it. She had an attempt back in 2017, but abandoned the attempt because it was like, weather was too gnarly, like waves were too high. Yeah, it's kind of like the gnarliest weather in the world. Like, that's right. It's it's insanely hectic. Um, but then, you know, this time around, she did it and she got further into the trip. And then the, the she was saying, you know, recounting uh, that the weather was even worse. Like, there was waves the size of five-story buildings and she would go through storms and blizzards and, and be wondering, like... Did my boat just like break? Like she's like, you know, she's like batting the hatches. She's like, uh, you know, in the deck underneath. She's like, oh man, like am I, am I? I've sailed in the Southern Ocean. I've seen some pretty hectic weather down there, but nothing like what you get. You know, when you get around Cape York, Cape Horn, and places like that. I haven't mm. seen that. That's that's just next level. But yeah, she she's. Basically, she's just demolished this record and she now has it to her name. Shout out Lisa Blair, the new record holder for the fastest circumnavigation of Antarctica. Shout out to her yacht. Yeah. You know, because it's it stood up to that. Mm-hmm. And that's not a bad effort. You've got to have, you know, it's not your average racing yacht is going to go down there because your average racing yacht is going to last like five minutes before it gets its keel torn it's off in that kind of water. smoked, yeah. But interestingly, like speaking of her yacht, uh, one of the big kind of... Um, inspirations for her i i guess one of the messages that she wanted to put out when doing this trip which is like pretty common people do trips like this and they always have something to kind of pump or you know talk about um like one of the big themes of her boat the the boat was actually called climate action now like that was the name of the boat Uh and uh yeah you know just had you know different decorations and different messages on it just about you know Taking taking action against yeah, I think I think somebody I think somebody should start a ferry service from uh, Sydney to Melbourne. You know, because the moment you can fly, or you can catch a train, or you can drive. I think someone should start a ferry service. I totally disagree. Sail powered ferry service. Why? It's like because it would be awesome. It's like the slowest way. But it combines going on a cruise with going sailing with going to well. Who wants to go to Melbourne? Um, <laughs> that, that's the problem, like, because there are people who do Well, there's, like... No, there's lots of people who want to go to Melbourne, and there's a lot of good things about Melbourne. We don't want to offend our Victorian listeners this morning. Yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> nah, shout out, shout out people from Melbourne. Um, but, like, well, my dad, uh, my mum and my dad used to be competition sailors, and they'd do the Bay to Bay, which, like, runs... I think it's like, goes, like, up to, like, the Wit Sundays. Uh-huh. And it's, like, a big, long sailing race like that. You know, it takes a couple of days from... I forget where it starts, but it's, like... It's like the, I think it's like the south of Queensland to like the north of Queensland or something like that. Uh, they get up to the Wit Sundays and it's like beautiful weather and they're having a great time. And they actually won the Bay to Bay once. And oh, then, nice. um, they were the first, they got line honors, but then they didn't like win win because like handicap came in. Yeah, yeah, but um, line honors is still a, um, a category. They crossed the win. line first. That's it. They're, they're, they're absolute guns. So, so yeah, I know that I was, I was actually talking to my dad about this story yesterday and he was, you know, like looking at the boat just, just going off. He's just like, oh, and look at, see the shape here. Oh, see the size of the, the hull. And, oh, you know, the, the ratio of like the bow to the, st- like, I was like, man, this, this guy, <laughs> he's, he's into it. But, um, okay. In other 
good news. Okay, these stories keep coming out, and I'm like, when will someone do this for me? So, <laughs> in California recently at a graduation from an LA art school uh, called Otis College of Art and Design, uh, yeah, they had a 284-strong class, and the founder of Snapchat was just like, yep, I'm going to pay everyone's student debt which amounted to about $10 million. So this guy just gets up and just, just wipes their debt clean. I'm like, man, that's, like, that's, that's, that's pretty epic. Can we just, can we just see this more often? Like, can we just see this all the time? You know, that was one of my, you know, one of the heartbreaking things about the election this year. I watched the campaign ads and I saw that the UAP promised that they would completely get rid of student debt in Australia. And like, they didn't get a single seat. Which they is, didn't even come close. <laughs> which is like, uh-huh. with a promise like that, come on. Like, uh, you would think they would have, they, they would have taken a majority. That's, it's so funny, eh? Like, that's like the biggest, I call it like a Coke in the bubblers promise. You know, if you've ever been a part of like school elections, like I remember when, when they had the election in like, I think it was 2000. See, see a minor party has the luxury of making a promise that they never can fulfill. Yeah. Because they're never going to need to keep that promise because they're a minor party. That's right. They're, they're, they'll never have a majority. So, but oh man, it was so, that's so funny. But yeah, it's instead of the government doing it, it's just random rich people are like, yep, I'll chill out $10 million and, you know. So I, Clive Palmer could do this himself anyway. Yeah, why doesn't he? If, if he really has a burden for it, he could just do it. He could. He could. He's, he's wealthy enough, but, you know, the guy's, uh, he's, he's got other ambitions. He's got other ambitions. Um, hey, finally, this is some really cool news this morning. Talking about dolphins. So we kind of, well, we did have that, uh, story about some people who were going to college, but we're kind of hanging out in the water today, uh, with our stories. So, um, this new footage has come out, uh, that researchers have been like heavily analyzing and coming to conclusions to, um, of basically like dolphins, like kind of grazing themselves against the seafloor and against coral, like rubbing themselves up against coral on the seafloor and just like doing it repeatedly. And like when researchers first saw this, they were like, man, what is going on? And now they've realized that this is basically dolphins taking a shower. Like this is the the dolphin skin oh, routine. So they've seen that, makes sense. that these pieces of coral, like they've, they've researched the coral itself and they've, you know, uh, done analysis and they've seen that these coral are full of like different, like kind of mucuses and different, um, medicinal properties that like, Basically, the dolphins come up to and use to their full advantage. You know, they'll have some kind of skin issue or blemish, or maybe they just want to clean off the barnacles, whatever it may be. And they'll just like find these specific pieces of coral and, and, you know, just like brush up against them. And, uh, all of a sudden they're, they're nice and clean. The thought is like, oh, couldn't they just, if it's like barnacles that they're looking out for, couldn't they like just brush up against anything? You know, couldn't they just like brush up against, you know, the sea floor itself? But no, they pick out these particular pieces of like sea plants and corals and whatnot because they actually have medicinal properties in them that heal and fix their skin. Which is, is like that is that is just going to the spa. They're just going to the day spa. Literally, the, the genius. Like you know, I, it's, I think it's so funny when people say, "Yeah, dolphins are like so smart. Like they have a higher IQ than us." I'm like, "Well, I've never seen a dolphin drive a car." Um, but you know, they're they're like when dolphins have a better skin routine than than I do, then I'm like, "Wow, okay, they're they're they've got this sorted. They're they're really they're really on it. They're like they're looking out for their." 
their acne, their zits. They've they've got every they're they're really up on beauty standards, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, dolphins are absolutely incredibly beautiful creatures. There's no question about that. That's right. They are stunningly beautiful. And now we know their secret. It's like how do we look like dolphins? How do we get a silky skin? Go Uh, diving and rub yourself on a coral. That's right. Get some coral, guys. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. It is the breakfast show here on Faith FM. We're about to get into some more serious news stories. Before we do, of course, we have another clue for our quiz. Yes, we do. Our next clue is, I named my son Gershom, saying, I have become an alien in a foreign land. What an epic name. Okay, who might this be? <laughs> like That's yeah. like calling your son, like, a legal immigrant. <laughs> so, like, something like that. Yeah, that's kind of how it goes. <laughs> that's crazy. Well, no, it wasn't an illegal immigrant. He was an immigrant. An alien is an, is an immigrant. Sure. So there's a difference. So it really he just called his son immigrant. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. 0491 is the number to call or text if you know the answer. And if you do, you can uh, write the answer in and then say, may I enter the quiz? And then you will go into the draw to win uh, Growing in Jesus, Volume 1 and 2 by Mark and Ernestine Finley, which will be drawn, that draw will be drawn tomorrow. So stay tuned for that. Okay, so we've got this terrible story coming out of Texas, and I'm sure that you all heard it overnight, Mm. uh, where we have another school shooting taking place, uh, 19 students, two teachers uh, killed uh, by an 18-year-old teenager wearing body armour, obviously prepared himself very well for this uh, before being shot himself by law enforcement officers. Mm. Um, And so, of course, this is, you know, this is sparking a nationwide debate over, you know, gun control, mental health, broken homes, Mm. and also the nation's spiritual condition, Mm. Uh, which is interesting because that kind of cuts both ways because it's it's important that the nation takes stock of their spiritual condition. The danger with that is that religion then becomes nationalised. Uh, Biden said that school shootings are a uniquely U.S. problem, and that's actually true. We don't see those happening in other parts of the world. They have mental health problems. They have domestic disputes in other countries. They have people who are lost. But these kinds of mass shootings never happen with the kind of frequency that happen in America. Why? Mm. And there is something distinctly broken about American culture in this respect. So, you know, Anthony Bradley, who's a professor of religious studies and director for the study of human flourishing at King's College, said every major school shooter since Columbine, and this is an interesting observation to make, since Columbine suffered from dad deprivation, Mm. including Columbine, of course. It predicts criminal deviance. Sadly, this shooter is a textbook case of a dad-deprived, abused and neglected kid. Hurt boys hurt others. The shooter's mum was an abusive, neglectful drug user. Uh, boys learn empathy from their father's dad. Deprivation in boys often develops into violent rage and suicidal ideation. Bad, absent dads are the precondition for boys' violence. Mm. And this is so true because when you look at the prison systems, you know it varies from one prison to another, but prison inmates are, are anywhere between 70% to 99% of a particular prison uh, of of, of men who grew up without a father. And the wow. vast majority of prison inmates, of course, are men. Mm. And the vast majority of those never had a father in their life. 
And so this is something that we really need to look at, particularly in a world where we are legalizing um, and, and, and glorifying pretty much any kind of relationship and marriage and family that is outside of the biblical model of mm. a mother and a father. The evidence is that those kinds of family models are disastrous for children. Mm. So Albert Moeller, president of the uh, Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, said the truth is that we have lived for some time in the blessed situation where our communities were more intact, where this kind of attack was far less believable, much less, far less predictable. Something is deeply broken in our society in a way that actually was not true just a matter of, say, a century ago. Mm. It's not that murder didn't take place, it's just that crimes on this scale did not take place with this pattern, with this repetition in times past. Human nature hasn't changed. So something has changed. One of the hardest questions for the United States of America at this point is trying to figure out what has changed and what we can do about it. Well, when you put those two uh, comments together by religious leaders in the United States you can very clearly note the breakdown of the family over the last 100 years and the results that it is having. Mm. It is just creating havoc in uh, in, in our world today. Um, what's also interesting about this, you know, when you look at the school shootings beginning with Columbine and coming through until this latest one, is that every single one of those shootings would have been stopped by the red flag laws that they have in the United States. So, wait, what is the... They they have the legislation already in place in the United States that if it was applied, would have actually stopped every single one of those shootings. And what is the the legislation? So the red flag law is that if you um, find somebody who has uh, mental health problems, who has either homicidal or suicidal ideation, you can remove their firearms from them. Oh, yeah, okay. Now, would that have stopped it? Probably not because, you know, firearms are easy to uh, access in the United States. But Mm. what's interesting is in none of those mass shootings have those red flag flag laws ever been used. Mm. And the interesting thing, of course, with red flag laws is you never know when they're successful or not. Yeah. Because, you know, nothing happened because you applied the law. Yeah, that's right. Uh, But what we do see is when you don't apply the law, bad things can happen. Yeah. Yeah, interesting stuff. Anyway, um, while we're talking about just just violence and the violence that there is in our world right yeah. now, which is just it's just horrific. Uh, a community in Georgia is reeling after a pastor was murdered by a man that uh, this particular pastor was mentoring. Mm. And so uh, this was Pastor Harold was stabbed by a man by the name of Griggs with a large kitchen knife I read before about being this. set on fire. This is so intense. It is. And, of course, um, this Griggs guy has been in and out of jail. And, you know, this is the thing that you and I do all the time, Lord. Yeah. We work with people like mm-hmm. this because we know that Jesus Christ can turn their life around. Yeah. And so, you know, we work with people who have all kinds of problems. And, yeah, this one t- turned out just just awful. I can't imagine what that congregation mm. would be going through right now, you know, facing something uh, like that. Yeah, it's one of the biggest tragedies. It's kind of like, oh, yeah, maybe you guys know, like Chris Kyle esque, like the the idea of you know putting yourself out there to help others and then yeah being and the person that you are helping is the person that kills you. Yeah, 
That's tragic. It is. It's really, really awful. Anyway, uh, Nancy Pelosi, once again in the United States, has been condemned to eternal hellfire. Yeah. By the Roman Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that, you know, the Roman Catholic Church claims that they have the keys of heaven and hell and they have exercised those keys. They've sent, they've sent Nancy Pelosi to hellfire, but not Joe Biden, which is kind of weird because they sent Pelosi to hellfire because of her stand on abortion. Mm. And I agree that we should be against her stand on abortion. I just do not believe that we have the power to actually do that. Yeah. And, of course, they have done so by removing her uh, ability to be able to go to Holy Communion. She's been banned from Holy Communion, which in the Roman Catholic Church means that you are condemned to eternal hellfire. Mm. And so I do not believe that we should be using religious power to control state policy. Oh yeah, this definitely. is a, this is a gross violation of the concept of separation of church and state. If you are going to argue against abortion, bring good secular arguments against it that support your religious views. Mm. You know, if you have got religious objections to it, then argue it from a secular perspective yes. because you you can do that very very well and with very strong arguments without having to resort to religious power and the power of the church to enforce your particular doctrines. Mm. Now, my particular doctrine is against abortion, Mm. but I'm not going to use the power of my church to enforce that particular doctrine, and I'm not going to send, uh, well, it just seems bizarre to me that a human being has the power to send uh, another human being to hellfire. That's God's job, not mine. It Mm. is God's job to judge, and God knows a person's heart. Uh, He knows whether they're saved or not. And so this is uh, the San Francisco Archbishop Salvatore Cordialoni, uh, who announced on Friday that Nancy Pelosi is barred from receiving Holy Communion due to her pro-abortion stance. He said, failing to understand the grave evil she is perpetrating, the scandal she is causing, and the danger to her own soul she is risking. Uh, that he needs to stop her from receiving Communion until she public re- publicly repudiates her support for abortion. And so this is the kind of power that the Catholic Church really wielded during the Dark Ages, mm. you know, when they wanted to change, you know, uh, policy in, 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 in the UK, you know, and they just excommunicated the entire Country. nation of England. Yeah. Just the whole lot, sent the whole lot to hellfire. Um, and so we've got, you know, that, that was the time of King John, of course, and, of course, resulted in the Magna Carta. But there's so many other similar examples of overreach by the church into the affairs of the state. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. We're going to have another clue for the quiz. Who am I? Michael the Archangel disputed with the devil about my body. 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text. And if you know the answer, you can call or text that number. Say, you know, tell us what the answer is. Say, may I enter the quiz? And go in the draw to win Growing in Jesus Volumes 1 and 2 by... Mark and Ernestine Finley. But again, that question was Michael the Archangel disputed with the devil about my body. 0491-064-669. Okay, so we've got a very special guest joining us on the show this morning. And Lawson, you're the foodie here, so I'm going to get you to ask the questions today because <laughs> my foodie. my uh, ability in the kitchen extends about as far as boiling an egg. That's powerful. Whereas you're always making amazing things. So I'm <laughs> handing over to you this time, Lawson. That's awesome. Yeah, because on the phone we have Jeremy Dixon. Jeremy, are you there with us? 
I'm here. Amazing. Now, we had you on the show um, just last month, and when we had you on the show, actually, I told a, a number of people from my church, like, oh, yeah, we had uh, Jeremy Dixon on our show, and they were incredibly jealous um, that we got to talk to you. And I'm like, hey, well, you just have to tune in next time we talk to Jeremy Dixon. We are, like, big pr- pr- proponents of you and your cookbooks and whatnot uh, here at our church. We love vegan cooking. We love uh, healthy cooking and serving the community um, and our church through that way. So thank you so much for coming on the show together. We're going to be talking about cooking today. Oh, thanks, Kyle Woods. That's great. Amazing. Now, um, as we're kind of moving through, and we're going to have you on the show later as well, uh, we, just, we just want to start off by just getting acquainted with, with cooking, the principles of cooking healthy, amazing um, food. And so let's start off right there. You know, what, 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 are, what are the introduction steps? You know, what are the, those initial principles that we have of going, hey, I want to cook something that's healthy and that tastes amazing? Yeah, no, yeah, great question. Um, I suppose the first thing, when you're doing kind of vegan or plant-based or food to that meat, you know, meat, for example, has a lot of inherent flavor in it. So when you're mm. cooking vegetarian or vegan, you've got to kind of, you've got to work a bit harder to push those flavors and to make things taste great. Mm. So it's, it's all very doable, but you just have to work a few extra, you need a few extra tricks up your sleeve to make it taste good. Mm. Um, so, you know, you put a bit of tofu on someone's plate, you know, they, they're going to go, they're going to struggle. Terrible, but, you know, <laughs> add some nice flavors and spices and herbs and things and it's going to taste amazing. So um, you just need to work a little bit harder. So I suppose the first thing is just, for me anyway, it's just about, you know, making sure you're injecting lots of flavor into stuff. Mm. And, and food as much as possible. Um, yeah, you've got a lot of, a lot of range of stuff you know, through cookbooks and things like curry paste and mm. yeah, and just making sure it's salted appropriately and just you just really when you get a dish off and you get the end of it and you're like, this isn't quite right. What can I add to it? And just being able to kind of add a few little little things. I'll share with you some today so you can kind of just kind of turn a dish from just there to hey, amazing. Mm. Yeah, that's so true. I find like a lot of vegan foods, especially like sub- substitute type foods, like like a tofu. Um, yeah, they're really blank canvases, and you can go either which way on making it taste. All you know, you can apply it to so many different dishes. You know, I've put tofu in everything from high- fried rice to on pizza, and it just depends on how you are kind of applying your spices there. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I suppose my principles behind it all is, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm plant based, but, but you can be plant based and still be unhealthy. I mean, you can go to, totally. you can go to, I think KFC or McDonald's, and you can get vegetarian versions of everything, but they're still, you know, full of hugely processed flowers and all that kind of thing. So, mm. you know, so what, what I do, I do with my cooking and my cookbooks and my cafes is, yes, we're plant based and plant powered and using vegetables and, and, but also, you know, we don't use white sugar. So we use things like date puree or maple syrup wow. to sweeten instead. Um, we don't use white flour, so we'll use a lot of other grains like quinoa or oats and other other whole kind of whole grains instead. So it's just about picking all the kind of pulling all the baddies out and just kind of you know, using a lot of the things around. And there's some great ingredients around these days. I suppose my my greatest enjoyment is when I take something that's really unhealthy. So for example, I've got a recipe of a banoffee pie in my cookbook. You know, pull out all the fat, the, the dairy, the the coffee, all this stuff out of it, and then use some really healthy alternatives to to build, uh, you know, a healthy version. I'm literally salivating. That is like, that is the most hectic thing I've ever heard. Uh, but that's amazing. So I, I guess that's a good question there. Um, what what kind of tricks and ingredients are you using then to, you know, when it comes to making something taste amazing but also be healthy? What what, what are you relying on to help you to do that? Yeah, yeah. so I've got a few things I've been doing lately and, and you probably see them kept out coming through my cookbook. So it's just a few simple things. 
and I'll start to put some savoury, maybe more kind of savoury based. Um, but for example, one thing um, that I found really useful lately is you know, when people say broccoli, they always seem to want to do it as big florets. You know, if you kind of chop broccoli up really, really thin and then put it through a stir fry, it's actually a lot more palatable and a lot nicer. It's got mm. a really nice texture. So just, you know, chopping all cauliflower's the same, you know, rather than doing a big floret on your plate, you kind of have to, it doesn't fit in your mouth, you know, just chopping up super finely, mixing it through a stir fry or rice or something, it gives it a really cool, nice texture. Mm. Uh, that's kind of one of the first things I've been doing a bit lately, which is quite nice. The other thing I think is quite nice is um, often um, you might do a curry or a hot pot or something. And one thing to do at the, at the end, just to kind of give it a bit of extra zing, is just finely chop up some red onions and then just do it as a kind of a sprinkle on the top or stir through. And with your kind of your curry, you've got this kind of this kind of nice fresh zinginess coming through your curry. So we find raw red onions, um, chopped really finely, of course, are quite a nice little uh, thing to add as well. Oh, man, we should have had this conversation yesterday. I, I cooked for my mum's birthday last night, and we had a hot pot. And, uh, oh, man, I should, have, I should have got on to you before I did it. Uh, you, you could have given me could have given me that advice. It went really well anyway, and, and they loved it. But, I'm oh, like, oh, man, that, that is like the, the step right there. We had we had awesome vegan hot pots. So, man, that's, that's yep, the trick yep. next time. Okay. Oh, that's yep, amazing. Yep. Another one, another similar one is ginger. So ginger is a really beautiful mm. spice. And, and often, often you, or a, a thing to add, and often you'd add it at the beginning of a curry. You cook it up with the garlic and the onion, you've got ginger there, and you've got this nice, really nice warm hum of ginger coming through the dish, which is, yeah, wow. which is really good. But just stir some right through the end, just before you serve it. And then the ginger hasn't cooked, so it's a little more spiky and a little bit more flavor, a bit of more, um, your know, attitude towards it. It kind of gives your, your dish a bit more of a ginger hit. So that's just another thing. Stir it through at the end raw. And you can either either chop it or grate it finely, or some of the in the supermarket some of the um, some of the you know the gingers you find in the bottles in the supermarket they're actually not too bad. I'd never ever use garlic. It's illegal to use garlic from a pot, um, but mm. ginger is actually quite fine to use uh, from a from a pot in the supermarket. Just kind of get a tablespoon, stir, uh, stir it through your curry, and you just just it just gives a bit more of a kick. Oh, that's. That's awesome. That this is exciting, man. I'm like, I am. I'm just want to cook. I just want to go home straight after this <laughs> and start making food. Now, something that um, vegan food often gets accused of, as particularly in the area of of desserts, is the fact that there isn't a dairy or eggs. Um, it it loses the the creaminess. It loses the fluffiness. And a lot of people, like you know, when they when it comes to vegan desserts, they they're a little bit turned off by that. And so is there a way to kind of yeah, circumvent that that struggle? Is there a way to overcome that when it comes to, to creating yeah, vegan food? Definitely. And and there's a lot of fantastic vegan desserts. It's from my cookbooks and a lot of vegan cafes and we have them as well. There's this is a, a huge range of ingredients. Probably my favorite one is using something like cashew butter. Okay. Um you know, cashew nut butter. You buy cashew nuts um and you make into nut butter just like you buy peanuts and make into peanut butter. And that's a really nice creamy thing to put through a dessert, whether it's like a like a cheesecake or a cake or something like that. Um, cash, um, coconut cream is a quite a popular thing mm. you can do as well. Just add a bit of cream in it. Um, any any nuts are really good as well. Um, mm. And whether you want to add them like finely chopped or as whole or just you know um, or, or add them as a nut butter. So those are really, some really good ingredients to um, you can use to put through your um, your dishes as well. And also cashew butters and nut butters. Are really amazing for any like a hot pot or a curry. Mm, so you know you got a hot really? pot or a curry. It's kind of oh yeah, it's okay. It's quite nice. But you know, just get a couple of tablespoons of cashew butter or peanut butter or almond butter. Um, 
sometimes you might want to just kind of stir it up with a bit of water yeah. to just kind of make it kind of liquidy so it mixes. So, if, you know, when you make cashew butter straight away, make it a cafe that's just beautiful and creamy and smooth. Three months down the track, it's oil and clay. Mm. So if it, if it is, you just need to give it a really good stir or mix it with some water so you can kind of pour it in. But yeah, just pour in a, yeah, mix a couple of tablespoons of um, cashew, cashew butter or peanut butter with a couple of tablespoons of water. Mix it really well so it's a nice creamy consistency. And then just stir it through your, a soup or a curry or a hot pot and it just, just adds that, that bit of creaminess. It just gives it that X factor. And people eating it won't know what it is. But it just it just gives it that nice smoothness. Yeah, that's incredible, man. Because it's funny, hey, like um, when it comes to vegan desserts, it's like there's kind of the, the scale for me is because you know most I think most desserts like if something yeah. tastes bad, it tastes bad. But the scale for me is like, does it taste vegan or not? Um, and, yes. <laughs> and I've no, yeah, people ask me like, oh, vegan dessert, what's it like? And I'm like, yeah, it tastes vegan. Like you, you can, you can tell that it's missing those elements. Um, but what you're saying here is that's really enhancing it ultimately. And you do come across those, those occasions of like eating a vegan dessert and you're like confused. It's like, man, what are you sure? Like, <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. There's two ingredients that are used in a lot of vegan desserts. And one of the, also, also one of them is tofu. Mm. A lot of people make tofu cheesecakes. And the tofu is you can work, but if, you, if you're adding tofu, which is especially a safe thing for dessert, you've got to really work hard to, to sweeten it up and, and tell yes. it, hey, you're a, you're a sweet this time, tofu. You're not just coming into the savour. You're a sweet. So you've got to really work hard with your sweetnesses and making sure you're masking it and adding things like lemon juice or, or other strong flavours. So you probably wouldn't do it with a peach-flavoured cheesecake, mm. but, but do it with a blueberry one, which is a bit stronger flavour. You could probably get away with it more. So... If you're using things like tofu, now other other people often use coconut coconut oil, yes. which hardens in a vegan dessert. And again, it's quite good to use a little bit of it, but often people go overboard, and it just you just taste that really fatty coconut taste that just overpowers the dish. So it's about being knowing the limits of what you can add to make the creaminess. If you overdo some of those things, it can kind of just you overpower your dish. Mm. Man, Jeremy Dixon, the man with all the answers. I think my question at this point is, you know, what's been your process of, of coming up with these different substitutes? Is, is it just time in the kitchen or like, you know, have you had kind of any any wisdom about it? Like, have you just, just known how this takes place? Like, well, what is it to you that, that gives you that ability to go, okay, well, if I add this and I do this and I do this and, and come up with these kind of solutions? Yeah. Well, when I first started my cafes, I thought, oh, well, I need to go to chef school. And I looked into going to, I was going to go and do a four-year chef course mm. before I started my cafes. And I, the more I looked into it, it's like, hang on a minute. I'm going to spend all my, turn learning, all my time learning how to match wine, how to cook meat, how to put as much butter and salt as physically possible into dishes. And I'm going to have a little section on vegetables. So I decided not to go to chef school. It's opened up and hired a chef. And over the years, I've, I've had chefs who have kind of added and they've had different skills have added to, to me complimentary. And mm. I've just, just, just jumped in and done it. And when your cafes, for example, are going through a time when they're not working, you need to amp them up. You're forced, hey, we've got to make something yummy here. We've got to make something something easy. We've just got to – customers, uh, who, when they're paying their money, you know, you invite someone around for dinner, they're going to go, oh, that's lovely, even if it tastes terrible. Mm. But, you know, if someone comes to your cafe, if they're going to part with $10, it's got to taste good, and they're going to come mm. back. So you – by nat- the natural forces of commerce, uh, you need to make things taste good, or you go bankrupt. Mm. So, um, just about developing and being being forced, being um, having to do that, and uh, and part of that also is I think what people quite enjoy about my cookbooks is being in a cafe. You've got to be simple. You've got to be cheap. You can't have huge food costs. You can't yeah. have hours of prep. You've just got to keep it bang, bang, bang. Simple, simple ingredients. 
because that's what makes it commercially viable in cafe, but it also makes it a lot more fun and cheaper and easier at home as well. Mm. Yeah. Now, now speaking of your books, I, I I'm a bit unsure as to what volume you're up to now, but I know you've got a, a ton of them <laughs> out there. Yes, I've done cookbooks one to seven. Uh-huh. Um, so that's the Karate Cafe cookbooks. So I've got seven cookbooks, and pretty much that's each year I just kind of share the latest, the latest salads, hot pots, dishes that we've created in the cafes. Um, so, and I've got a cookbook eight is going to be coming out later this year. Oh wow! I've got that well underway. And also I did some uh, filming, I did some cooking series, Cook 30. So I've done um, uh, 80 episodes of Cook 30, which are, which play on, I think, um, Hope, Thread, Yen, and um, on YouTube as well. Mm. It's a Cook 30 cooking program, and I've done two cookbooks that go along with those as well. So nine cookbooks, one to come. So my 10th cookbook will come out this year, so that's um, very exciting. That is Amazing. That is so exciting. Guys, if you want any information about cookbooks or, you know, any of these different series, give us a call at 0491-064-669 and we will direct you. Jeremy, thank you so much for joining us on the show this morning and sharing these amazing and practical and healthy and awesome tips on how we can make awesome food. Right now, this is Steve Grace with In Jesus, I've Tried in Vain. tried in vain a thousand ways my fears to quell my hopes to raise but what I need the Bible says is ever only Jesus I cannot see, I cannot feel For life, for life, I must appeal In simple faith to Jesus
Faith FM has a brand new live show each weekday morning straight after the breakfast show called Tassie Encounters. Tune in for fascinating discussions of history, science, faith, and personal encounters with Jesus. Tassie Encounters, live every weekday straight after the breakfast show on Faith FM. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Thank you. 
For being a part of the Faith FM family, join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.